0: I think I'm a little bit more patient. I tend not to be a patient person. But if you're standing there looking at a butterfly for a few minutes, it kind of like teaches patience. Certainly it's taught me to be more observant.
1: You're listening to Happy Vermont, a podcast about places and people in the Green Mountain State. This episode is sponsored by Kin Haven Music School, a classical youth music festival in Weston, Vermont. Kinhaven offers free concerts with world-class musicians in July and August. Visit kinhaven.org for details. So the person you heard at the start of this episode is Terry Armada of Bennington, one of Vermont's most dedicated butterfly watchers. A retired hospital employee, Terry has seen about 100 species in Vermont, nearly every kind of butterfly found in the state. Terry participated in the first Butterfly Atlas Project more than 20 years ago. The Butterfly Atlas Project is a five year survey put together by the Vermont Center for Eco Studies to understand long term trends in butterfly populations. A second Butterfly Atlas project is underway, and Terry is exploring southern Vermont to see what she can find. Terry and I met in June at Merck Forest and Farmland Center in Rupert. We sat outside on a couple of benches next to the Sugar House at Merck Forest talking about how she got into butterfly watching and what she loves most about this part
0: of her life. Here's Terry. I was looking for an excuse to spend more time outside. I was working full-time and i have been outside as much as I could, but it was mostly, you know, hiking, running, stuff like that. And the Vermont Institute of Natural Science sent out a mailing because email really wasn't Anything back there it wasn't a thing, and announced the starting of the first butterfly atlas. And I thought, whoa, that looks like it might be fun. And it turns out it was. <laughs> it is. Did you like it right away? Enormously. It was so relaxing to just wander, you know, and poke around and look, be outside. There were parts that weren't so much fun. Deer flies, biting hands, you're trying to take a picture and they just land. And I wear gloves now. And even then, sometimes the more vicious ones will get you. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Adams, Massachusetts in northern Berkshire, right across the valley from Mount Greylock. It was right there in front of us, about a mile outside town. And it was not very many houses on the street. We had woods behind us. We had fields behind us. We had heifers in the higher fields that would occasionally come down into the garden. <laughs> I had a great childhood. I really did. We had Six of us, five girls, one boy. We didn't have a car until my sister was, my oldest sister was in high school. So we walked the mile downtown and the mile back up and up and down and up and down. And it was great because it gave us great legs, great lungs. A love for walking. Yeah, and a love for walking. Yeah. Did you spend a lot of time in the woods as a kid? Oh, We did. I ran. I was the tomboy. I ran amok in the woods. My dad, after church on Sunday and after we had breakfast, would always say, who wants to go mushrooming? Because my grandparents were from Poland and taught them what to look for in certain kind of mushrooms. And there were woodlots around. So we'd walk down the road with our mushrooming sticks and dad and us trying to match his strides. And into the woods, we went looking for mushrooms. So that kind of started the whole thing of looking closely, because you really do have to look closely to see mushrooms. You came to Vermont how many years ago? 1973, to work at the hospital as a medical technologist in the hospital laboratory running tests on patients' blood.
1: And that was down in Bennington?
0: Down in Bennington. It was Putnam Memorial Hospital then. It's now Southwestern Vermont Medical Center. And I stayed there for 43 years.
1: I don't know. How did you feel when you first got out there? Like maybe when you saw your first butterfly?
0: It was when I first really found the first one. It was a little butterfly, a little blue butterfly called the eastern-tailed blue. And I had mistakenly thought that a good place to go butterflying would be a cemetery. It's not. (laughs) Unless it's a cemetery. In the woods, you know, that's maybe mowed once a year because all the big cemeteries, yeah, they have a lot of flowers, but those aren't flowers. For the most part, that butterflies will nectar on or host plants. And usually the grass is meticulously mowed. Yes. <laughs> so I was in this little cemetery at Shaftsbury and I wasn't seeing anything. And I happened to look across the border of it to a brushy spot. And there was this little blue butterfly and it was an eastern tail blue I had to look in the book because I didn't know anything, and it was quite a thrill. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And
1: since then, you have recorded some new butterfly species in Vermont, the
0: cloudless sulfur and the northern oak hair streak. Right. And again, people say, well, how do you find them? And I just simply say, it's dumb luck. You happen to be out walking. Many people are familiar with a clouded sulfur. It's the yellow butterfly that you see bouncing through the fields all summer long. And I was walking along a road, kind of birding, sort of. I had my camera with me all the time, looking in the bushes, and it was kind of later, I think, in the season, and I saw this butterfly, yellow butterfly coming towards me. It looked different. It was bigger than the regular clouded sulphurs that we see, and it was smaller than a tiger swallowtail. And I said, come closer, come closer, and it landed. It was a good butterfly. And I said, oh my goodness, it's got to be a cloudless sulfur. Because over the years, even though you don't see these butterflies, you tend to, you're thumbing through manuals, and it was a good butterfly, and it stayed still for a camera shot. And that's how we identified it.
1: What are some kinds
0: of places or flowers or plants where you can find butterflies Grassy spots, places, not a manicured lawn that has Roundup on it. Lawns with dandelions, you know, strawberries. There's a little plant called sheep sorrel, wild mint, the little purple flowers on the ground. Butterflies love that stuff, as do bees and other pollinators. And that's where I look. I look in messy places and dirt roads, especially in the national forest, You can find a lot of butterflies come down and sip minerals from the ground. And you can find lots of them just sitting on the ground, quietly doing their thing. This time of year, I would expect to see a lot of big yellow butterflies called tiger swallowtails. But unfortunately, I think the weather has knocked down the population. We're only seeing one or two here and there. Where we would be seeing five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. you know right yep,
1: so we're at Merck Forest. Mm-hmm.
0: This is a good place to look for butterflies. Absolutely. It's a wonderful place. There are some big meadows here that have lots of milkweed in them, and the staff and the management here manages them beautifully. so they couple of times a year you'll have blooms of milkweed and other plants and there'll be butterflies on the milkweed in back of the raspberry patch. There's kind of like a bush hogged area that has tons of butterflies in it. Of course you have to go sometimes into it and then you, you have to cover up. I don't know how bad the ticks are here but I always take precautions Yeah, and the old tick check at night. <laughs>
1: Definitely. Is July or August? Are those the
0: months that you really want to be looking for butterflies? Different species of butterflies come out at different times of the year. Some types have two flights, one in the spring, May, June, and then another one at the later July and August. Some come out only one time of year. The hair streaks I was talking about is probably last couple of weeks of June to through July. Some of the other ones will have repeated broods. A lot of the little blue butterflies will just have multiple broods during the year. So there tends to be a little break in a lot of the action in mid-June that a lot of people call the June swoon. (laughs) It just simply means that the, the first flights of a lot of species have ended and The other species' flights haven't started yet, but it's variable. It depends on the weather, and this year, who knows? It's been crazy.
1: Yeah, it definitely has. Back in April, I went on a butterfly walk with Nathaniel Sharp. We were in Burlington, and Nathaniel is with the Vermont Center for Eco Studies, and he's helping with the Butterfly Atlas Project. But what I was amazed at was that we were out there in the woods, And we were on some trails and he'd see these butterflies and I would barely notice. And it's amazing kind of how still and like in the moment you need to be to really notice.
0: Right. I clue in on movement. It's like anything when you put your focus on looking for birds or looking closely at plants or bugs of some sort, you get to know the the cue. And the cue for me is a flicker of movement. And a lot of times it'll be a grasshopper or a fly or a moth. But then again, a lot of times it's a butterfly. And then you stop and you look. Walking, as you probably noticed with Nathaniel, is that when you're walking along, you probably aren't going to see that much. It's when you stop and look and look in a grassy field that you start to notice things. Right. That's where the relaxation comes in.
1: Do butterflies have any certain behavioral characteristics? Like, do they fly alone? Do they like to sort of
0: sit? Will they let you get close? I mean, I'm sure it depends, but... The butterfly is the adult stage of the species, and they're all about reproduction. So the males have different strategies to find the females, and that is kind of governs how we see them during the day. There are patrollers that just fly back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and you might wanna get a picture or find out what it is, and it can be very frustrating, but yet sometimes you can wait for them to land and feed nectar on a flower. There are others that perch, and they'll sit fairly steadily on a flower or a twig or a piece of grass, And then you can kind of sneak up on them. If you want to take a picture of a butterfly, you don't want to loom over the top of them. And you don't want to move in too fast because they'll spook and go away. But they're also territorial, and territorial not just to their own species. So if another butterfly flies by while one is perching, that male will pop up just when you're ready to click the picture, (laughs) you know, and fly off. They do nectar, and most of the time they nectar in the afternoon. If it's cold morning, they tend to just sit there and warm up because they're solar powered and they have to let the sun kind of warm their bodies up. And then they get patrolling back and forth. What are they doing when they're patrolling? They're looking for mates. Okay. There are fair gnomes that are sent out by both female and male, and they can sense those. And they're also just looking for a female to fly by. And different species have different methods of reproducing or of enticing each other to reproduce. It's said that tiger swallowtails, when they are courting, when they're kind of like flying in the air together and sensing each other out, exude pheromones. And it's said that people with really good noses smell flowers. I've never smelled flowers, but I thought it was a really, really nice thought
1: in the summer how
0: often are you out there butterfly watching i tend to try to go out every day that the sun is out at least for an hour locally and then some days especially now with the atlas where we're trying to cover the whole state of vermont i will go out a little bit farther i'll drive i live in bennington i have a couple of spots in stamford and reedsboro that are areas that they want surveyed. And I said, I will, you know, kind of like adopt this section, meaning that I will try to get as many butterflies as I can find in these sections. It's not to say that other people can't come in. Of course you can, but it's just that there's one person sort of saying, I'll try to find everything that we can find. If anybody else finds all they think we can find, then that's great. And that section is considered done. This is a five-year project, so there's no rush. There's no rush.
1: Aside from technology, when you did the butterfly atlas 20 years ago, were there fewer species, more? Like, environmentally,
0: the world has changed. Right. What we're seeing now, just like birds, is that some southern species seem to be moving in some of the northern, more northern species of species that we see in the mountains seem to be moving more north. But then again, there is always an introduced species, which is brand new for the state called the European Common Blue that they introduced in Montreal or reintroduced a few years ago, and it spread south to now that they are finding them very regularly up north. Your area, up in the Burlington area, called the European Common Blue, a really nice, small blue butterfly, very colorful. I'm not going up to get it. <laughs> I'm waiting for it to come to me. <laughs> and we'll see how long it takes before it decides to come down here and live. There's no reason why I can't. And southwestern Vermont is a so called hot spot for right. butterflies. Why is that? It's because it's the southernmost part of the state. I would suspect southeastern Vermont would be very, very good. It might even be better because of the Connecticut River and butterflies can fly up quarters of rivers. I'm not sure how many people are in southeastern Vermont butterflying. I'm starting to see reports on e butterfly now. And I suspect it's been under surveyed in the past. Few years. I just haven't gotten over there very often, but now there are people doing it. We tend to be a little bit warmer in the winter and a little bit cooler in the summer. It's just a geographical type phenomenon because of the hills to the east of us and the river valleys, the Delaware River and a couple of others on the New York side that makes it advantageous to find. Butterflies and southern species tend to wander up through occasionally.
1: So if someone is in visiting southwestern Vermont or they live here, some good places to find butterflies, of course, Merck Forest where we're at. Mm-hmm.
0: Forest roads in the Green Mountain. National Forest, Forest, Forest Roads in the Green Mountain, town parks that aren't manicured beautifully. I mean, I look at a manicured lawn and I see a desert. And all people interested in pollinators see a desert. The best thing you can do for butterflies, let your dandelions grow. Don't use Roundup. You know, mow your lawn fairly long. I have ours set at three and three-quarter inches so that the little flowers will still stay there. You know, if you see bunnies on your lawn, you know you're doing a good job.
1: (laughs) That's good to know. For you, what do you think makes butterfly watching so
0: interesting to you? They're just such fascinating creatures and they're so pretty. One thing I really want to do is stop and maybe watch more rather than saying, oh, that's a clouded sulfur, snap, take the picture. Oh, that's a European skipper, snap, take the picture. What I've been trying to do is just watch their actions a little bit more. And by watching how they go about their business, it gives a little bit of clue about how maybe to find them. I know that in late June and July, if I'm near oak trees with the sun shining on the oak trees and below the oak trees, to just stop and stand there a little bit and look for movement because these hair streak butterflies, these banded hair streaks, live to fight and they dogfight all the time in like a swarm, and you'll see zigzagging flashes of wings. And if you watch long enough, it's like the bell rings and they take a time out and they'll go perch on a leaf. And you can get a really good look at them with binoculars or pictures. And you can see how the sunlight flashes and changes their color on their scales depending upon the angle of the sun. Things like that. It's just so much fun. Yeah. Has it changed you, you think? I think I'm a little bit more patient. I tend not to be a patient person. But if you're standing there looking at a butterfly for a few minutes, it kind of like teaches patience. Certainly, it's taught me to be more observant, and it has wrecked walks that I used to take for fitness sake. I used to run. I can't anymore and be comfortable. Hips with age, you know, start to wear and tear, so the fast walks that I used to do, tend not to be (laughs) because I see a butterfly or a bug or a bird and have to stop. Right. And you're kind of on a mission on your walks. Right. Right. So in order to counter that, you go to a spot to look for butterflies where you have to walk like uphill a ways before you get to the spot that you want to be. Right. Yep. Do you know how many butterfly species there are in Vermont? In Vermont right now, it's somewhere between 110 and 120. And it's kind of like fluid because many butterflies that look exactly alike, there's discussion about whether they are different species or the same species that looks a little different because of the plants they eat or the altitude that they reside at. So it's between 110 and 120. Okay.
1: Yep. When you're out, I don't know anything about butterfly watching. Of course, I admire butterflies when I see them. What about, will you see a moth
0: during the day? Absolutely. There are a lot of moths that are flying during the day. And you're going to ask me, what's the difference between a butterfly (laughs) and a moth? Well, moths, for the most part, like most people know, are nocturnal. Butterflies, for the most part, are daytime flyers because they're solar-powered. Moths are tougher. They just are. You can see them flying in late November, early December. All butterflies, unless it's really warm, are betty-bye for the winter in some stage. When the moths fly, the moths forewing and hindwing are hooked together with a little hook, and there's actually a name for that hook which escapes me at the moment. And that makes their wings beat with unison. So when they land, if you're confused, a moth thunks down. It just plops hard down. A butterfly's wings are not locked together. They flutter. They alight gently. So that's one of the ways to tell if you're just looking, is that a moth or a butterfly? The other thing is when you look at the antennae of a butterfly, the antenna of a butterfly, for the most part, ends with a little kind of bulge, a little club. A moth doesn't have a club at the end. Their antennae can be feathered looking, they can be just a straight line with no bulbs or anything at the end. Some of the butterflies don't have a bulge at the end of their antennae, but... You know, that's the generalization that we usually give. The daytime flying ones are, a lot of them are just little gray, medium-sized gray or brown things. But I always use the butterfly alights and a moth thunks down.
1: Okay, that's good to know. If someone is starting out, let's say they want to participate in the Atlas Mm -hmm. project, what should be the first thing they do? Should they just go out or should they maybe study butterflies a little bit first or...
0: One of the first things that you probably ought to do is go online to the Vermont Center for Eco Studies, Vermont Atlas of Life, and scroll down, and there's a big section that says Second Vermont Butterfly Atlas, and click on it. There's a ton of information. Alternatively, you can just Google Vermont Butterfly Atlas. It will take you to that page, and it might be a few less clicks. But on that, it says how to get started, explains what it's all about. And, you know, you could just skim through it just to give yourself an idea if you you don't want to read and all of that sort of stuff. And then go out, go out with a pair of binoculars that can kind of like see things fairly close to you or with your eyes. I rarely use my binoculars anymore. Having a camera, almost everyone has a cell phone. Mm-hmm. The cell phone cameras are very good. And just start walking slowly and looking in likely places, grassy places, town parks, dirt roads. And if you see something, you know, get a good look at it. Try to get a picture if you can. That's part of the fun. And then there are tons of great field guides out on the market. There are also some fantastic websites. There's the Second Vermont Atlas has a species page. It does not have a picture, but it tells the lifestyle of all the butterflies that we've discovered in Vermont. I always direct people to the Massachusetts Butterfly Club website, certainly down here in Southern Vermont, because it has almost all of our species. Mm.
1: You're participating in the second Butterfly Atlas Project. What are your hopes or dreams for this five year, the next five years for you participating in the project?
0: I hope that my expectation is wrong. My expectation is that we're gonna see a lot less numbers, meaning where we would see well, monarchs is a great example where I can remember in the first atlas standing on a roadside with binoculars on and counting monarchs in a field in August and 2040, 60, 80. And in the past few years, four, five, six if that many. And with insecticide use, climate change, and habitat loss, especially, and invasives, that cuts down on the number of host plants, which in turn makes it hard for butterflies to proliferate. And of course, all pollinators, including all of our bumblebees. Mm. So I hope I'm wrong. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite part about butterfly watching? I think it's going out and closely learning about the places I go to. I don't mean building streets, I mean the landscape, the birds that are singing, the trees, the flowers. What's that flower? I'll take a picture. I met some wonderful, wonderful people. I'm walking along a lo- roadside and someone is uh, watering their lawn. And, you know, they kind of look at you funny because I'm just kind of funny. I'm protected against ticks and I'm carrying camera and binoculars. And I'll say, I'm not peeping Tom or anything. And then I'll start in about the second butterfly survey. And they are so far, the people that I've talked to, very intrigued about it and very interested. And that might, you know, who knows, that might get them not mowing their lawn so close or using roundup. Did you start bird watching after butterfly watching? Did. Can you tell me that story? I did. I mean, we always knew birds where we lived outside of town. Dad had feeders. Dad would always fill them up, and we knew the sparrows and the juncos and the robins and the blue jays. But when I started butterflying, I started noticing The warblers, the wood warblers that sing in the deep forest and start to question, well, I wonder what those are. And then some of my butterfly friends came to butterflying through birding, which is the usual route. And, oh, we're having a butterfly walk nearby at Hildeen. Dean holds a public, open to everyone butterfly walk once a month, twice a month during the big migration months. And I started to go there. and. Yeah, something to do. We have birds all year long. We have butterflies only for five months, if we're lucky. So it helps fill the gap between seasons.
1: Thanks for listening to Happy Vermont. I'm Erica Housekeeper. You can learn more about the Vermont Butterfly Atlas Project by visiting vtecostudies.org. I also want to take a moment to thank Nathaniel Sharp for taking me on my first butterfly walk this spring and for connecting me with Terry. Thanks again to our sponsor, Haven, offering free concerts with world-class faculty and student musicians in July and August in Weston, Vermont. Visit Kinhaven.org for details. And you can find Vermont stories and more podcast episodes on my website, happyvermont.com. Take care and talk to you soon.